0: Hello, hello, hello. It's time for another episode of Film Fives. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it, Phil? Whoops.
1: <laughs> it has, yes. I've been I've been busy watching lots of films in the meantime, obviously. Yep. I've been busy having all sorts of ailments. More research. Yeah. Oh, good, good.
0: Excellent. I, I've been busy with more ailments than you could shake a stick at, mainly, um, most predominantly, a sore throat where I literally couldn't talk for a couple of days, which is not ideal for either my job or indeed for doing a podcast, thus the need to yeah. then play the phone, which led to another two-week delay. So we've been a few weeks away, and we've had the much-promised 60s scores or soundtracks, however you want to interpret it. We'll get into that in a minute um basically the music of the films of the 60s that's what we're doing in this episode that's it uh, and um
1: it's our second one in this franchise you could call it so I had to use yeah f- so when oh, we did the f- 50s i think i did quite the big intro then on history of the film score and the soundtrack and all this kind of thing i you know we don't need to go through that again all we know is we did the 50s and now we're moving on to the 60s obviously you uh i kind of said that in the first episode the 50s one i like epic so expect epic. <laughs> if you think of the most epic films of the sixties, that's the soundtracks I'm gonna have chosen. I'm pretty confident, in fact I'm a hundred percent confident, that for once you have seen every single film that I've chosen. So <laughs> appreciate it. We should see, but I'm I'm pretty sure of that.
0: Yeah. All good. It's all good. Now, um, yeah, I mean, we we may have a slightly different criteria in terms of what we've gone for. First of all, I know you're a massive lover of film musicals, Phil. So I'm sure all of yours are actually when you say I can't get enough. (laughs) It's safe to say Phil. Mary Poppins is
1: is (laughs) going to be my number one, obviously. Yeah, Chim Chimney Roo Reckon I'm <laughs> sorry was yeah tough. exactly <laughs> um, no Phil is not a fan of musicals well, I love, I've got to be honest I, I love Mary Poppins I it a it's a kid, kid, kiddie nostalgia thing and, and it's all about as we mentioned in our last episode Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent <laughs> <laughs> yeah well
0: um, you're not a fan of musicals overall I have excluded musicals from mine as well not just to
1: keep you from pulling your hair out or anything but, there's not um, that many big 60s Ones. Most of them, fifties was kind of the heyday of musical, really, wasn't it? Yeah, overall, yeah. I mean,
0: because it was the absolute pit. It's one of the main go-tos of the earlier era, the classical Hollywood era. But you've got My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, Oliver, a uh, four sort of, oh, Sound of pop, music
1: yeah, yeah, uh, and West
0: Side Story as well, which I've got to put on that list. Those those five are probably yeah. I think the picks of the decade. But I've left all of that out anyway because I wanted to focus on, in my case, on scores, the actual compositions I'm not an expert on music itself but the compositions and the seminal classics in terms of the main themes the scores as they permeate through the film whatever it might be along those lines there's certain films I've I'll highlight later which I think have got great themes but there's not much else going on apart from that and I've left out stuff like um in my case I don't know if you have or not but I've left out 2001 on the basis that it's yeah I looked at that because it it's a not orig- film isn't it it's, it's indelibly linked but it's not original most of it, most well of. it
1: was originally I, I I watched 2001 and um originally I think Kubrick had some guy called Alex in to do the score and this poor guy's yeah. been ages scoring it and, and and in the kind of meantime Kubrick just picked his favorite pieces of the classical music to, it was all Strauss wasn't it to kind of go with it and he got he got he got so sort of happy and used to that they that just told the the guy who written the score, no, I'm just gonna use Strauss instead, don't worry about it. So yes, yeah, so I, I left two thousand and one out for the same reason.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Okay. That's all good. That's all good. Um yeah, And um, so on that basis we'll we'll go ahead. I mean, Phil, you you said you might go beyond just scores as such. We'll see what that means as as we a go. Bit. Yeah. Okay. We'll
1: see. Yeah. yeah. Um, well first, I'm expecting a little bit more crossover on this one. I'm expecting for us to have maybe three two or three Uh, of the same ones we shall see we haven't had that so much recently so
0: we haven't so it's about time we got back to our old ways isn't it yeah yeah (laughs) um i've got um yeah i think you're probably right looking at what i've got that sounds feasible um i thought this was um real rich pickings i think the 60s have got a huge amount of films with great scores in them um yeah Kind of including a lot of continental stuff as well. Um, there's a few interesting uh, scores out there. Um, but obviously, it's, it's a rich pickings, both in terms of films and in terms of soundtracks uh, for the era. I'll go through all my long list of, of stuff that
1: worthy of yeah, honourable mention. can do that, end, can't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've got one of those as well. Yeah. It's got a lot of John Barry on it, you'll be surprised to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well I mean he was so prominent in the 60s I mean everyone's immediately thinking of Bond because of your love of Bond but I mean beyond that no, Zulu both-
1: Midnight Cowboy you know oh, yeah. Exactly.
0: yeah so we'll come on to that no doubt as we go I think well, we think it's my turn to go first we're going to go with that anyway I believe so we could break the sequence if we need to if that's what it is but um, okay I'm going to start with my number five and I was expecting when I started looking into this this might actually end up higher in the in the standings but I think in the end I've had to go for it at number five I think it's one of I would say two or three films in my top five which really kind of are are extraordinarily famous they're also very indelibly linked with not just the film itself but also the genre of film as well and you mentioned the word epic earlier. Um, this certainly falls into the epic character category. It's one of the one of the great films of the sixties. Uh it is the Maurice Jarre scored Lawrence of Arabia, uh, which of course, as a film, is a story of T. Lawrence, of the title. Yeah, it's um, based on
1: his book, isn't it? Seven Pillars of wisdom. Indeed, it is. Yeah, English officer. The uninitiated. Yeah, he he successfully united and led the diverse and often warring Arab tribes during World War One in order to fight against the Turks. Yeah, an absolute movie classic. Many famous scenes in it. I haven't actually watched it back for this. um, And I I watched it again a few weeks ago. Yeah, all four hours of it. It's kind of a weird one. Because you watch it and it starts with a a kind of piece of music and a black screen. And then Mm -hmm. halfway through, there's an intermission and about 15 minutes of music uh, on the version I watched anyway. And as we were doing scores for the first time ever. I didn't just wind through the blank screen. I actually sat and listened to the music. Yeah, you could always go and make a tea as well while you're doing it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you've got the overture, which you had on a few
0: things. I think West Side Story, we mentioned earlier, has a similar thing. It's got a, an image on the screen, but it's just the image. Yeah. while they have the whole overture play out at the beginning. So I, I think that, plus the intermissions, and there's a lot of long films, biblical epics and all sorts of other stuff that have this. You had intermissions in that era, didn't you? A lot. Yeah. As well, And again, you'd have those mus- musical interludes to go in for that. And Lawrence of Arabia is a sweeping epic in every regard. You've got these enormous. It's about as epic as you can possibly get, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, the the desert is. It's the, David Lean. Uh, yeah. It's David Lean. It's yeah. It's, it's big. It's big, big movies. It's long shots. It's wide angles. It's cinema scope. It's amazingly composed scenes and shots um the desert is there's the star pretty much you've got the sand dunes it's just the indelible yeah. you have when you think of this film you've obviously got certain classic scenes in it uh battle sequences but also the scene where there's the mirage and or what seems to be a mirage. yeah the, the famous
1: sure. scene yeah the Omar Sharif appearing yeah no, sure no it's, it's it's an interesting one so the I think it's the AFI who voted this the third best film score ever written in history. Hmm. Um and poor old Maurice Shaw, um, he was very little known at the time that this came out. He hadn't really done it. He I think he'd done a kind of a sort of some concert sort of concert works. He was little known. So um I think David Lean wanted William Walton, and then he wanted Malcolm Arnold. They both dropped out. So um Maurice Shaw, he had I think it was it six weeks to compose two hours of orchestral music for this film that's six weeks isn't it? that's pretty brutal isn't it <laughs> and oh, you can't you can't deny that he absolutely nailed it I mean it <laughs> just matches and encapsulates everything perfectly it's got the desert setting the eastern themes it's it's absolutely wonderful yeah yeah
0: it, it's, he's composed a number of of famous films as well, of course, um through the years. Well, he, I think
1: this was the first one that he did with with David Lean, wasn't it? And I think he did every single film that David Lean did after that. Subsequently, he did the scores for all the way through from this all the way through to um a Passage to India, sort yeah. of 20 or years later.
0: That's right. So you've got Dr. Zhivago, of course, another famous film of the sixties as another example. Yeah, he's uh, it, yeah, it's superb it's just a sweeping epic of music, which perfectly fits the sweeping epic that is the film itself. It it, yeah. it encapsulates the mood. I think what it does, what's good about the score
1: is you f- it tells you where you are, even if you're not looking. Well, yeah, you, the- you hear it now, if you hear, were to hear it out of context, and you start thinking about desert dunes, you know, yeah. and camels, but, and, yeah. You know, there's, there's certain films we talked about it, and we might talk about it again with
0: Westerns and um, various other genre films, uh, I know Lawrence of Arabia isn't really a genre of film apart from being an epic, you know, if, if you categorize yeah, that as a genre. Historical but,
1: epic, yeah.
0: but It's got that sense of his- historical significance, majesty, grandeur, and something continental, exotic as well, in the way that a number of Western soundtracks have become synonymous yeah. with the Wild West. You know where you are. You can listen to any Western soundtrack that's a typical soundtrack, and you know yeah, yeah. Western. And in, in in a way, you get that with epics. I think biblical epics, you pretty much know you're watch, you're, you're listening to something. Yeah, they have that kind of operat, operatic operatic yeah. kind of sections it's and things like that. There. horn type stuff and all that sort of thing. With Lawrence of Arabia obviously has a different slant, but it it really does have that vibe, doesn't it? It's great. A fantastic- yeah, I mean,
1: he didn't write all of the music in it, so there's a bit of Kenneth Alford's uh, march of the the voice of the guns, um, kind of prominently featured on the soundtrack. And there's another piece, uh, Colonel Bogey's March, the musical theme, which had been oh, in no. Lean's previous film, The Bridge on the River Choir. But you know, the vast majority of it, it's uh, all Morris, um, And he kind of obviously, did, yeah, he had a very long and distinguished career after this. So other films I've written down that he did besides the David Lean ones are The Longest Day, The Man Who Would Be King, Witness, Fatal Attraction, Dead Poets Society, Topaz, and the absolute ultimate Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> did he do ghost as well i think. I've got a feeling i'm did ghost. not sure actually off the top of my head yeah there's a whole load of stuff also in. like the fact i like the fact that he kind of started off on orchestras but he didn't he wasn't snoo- snooty or sniffy about it in the 80s he kind of got really got into synthesizer music and started putting those in his soundtracks as well and whether he was um sorry, kind of uh Influenced by his son uh, Jean Michel, just got a to today. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. So, if anyone didn't know, Jean Michel Jarre, who had was it two or three famous tunes he released, Rendezvous. In- yeah, yeah, Rendezvous, beer, the classic. <laughs> um, and he's he's uh, he's a musical family, isn't it? Yeah, and he's oh, he was born in '24, wasn't he? I think Maurice And so he's- yes. Yeah. At this point, he's in his forties, isn't he? But he's or thereabouts when he's when this the is, late
1: thirties when he did this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Sorry, yeah, thirty thirty eight, thirty nine, I think. Yeah. Um, so you know, he's come to prominence, I suppose, not particularly early age. Although a lot of composers, I think, maybe that was the case anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love the film. I, I haven't actually seen it for quite a long time, um, but it, if you haven't seen this film, you've got to watch it.
1: Just yeah, really no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so the sound, I'm sure you, you said you listened to the soundtrack, so it's performed by the London Philharmonic. Yeah. Uh, so Adrian Bolt is listed as the conductor, but he couldn't actually um, adapt to uh, the intricate timings of each cue. So uh, Morris kind of nipped in and, and I think he did end up with most of the conducting himself. Yeah, at this point, by the way, before we go any, any further, because I've probably
0: covered all I want to say on this one. Um, I just wanted to say a a shout out to Tim, my mate who's based in Switzerland, sometimes in Italy as well. Uh, He's a big fan of the show uh, and um, he he listened to the 50s ones. He said it was absolutely brilliant, but it took him days to listen to it because he had to keep stopping and checking out all the soundtracks, which is great because it's encouraging people to to do that. Please do the same. Feel free to pause. And, and look up all this stuff you can find most of it on Spotify to be honest Lawrence of Arabia for example is on there um so you can you can listen to whichever bits of it or all of it if you want to um I'd recommend it yeah why not have it accompaniment we yeah. can't unfortunately have the music on it for copyright reasons but uh you know next best yeah. thing you can talk about it with enthusiasm
1: <laughs> and that that's pretty much Fantastic. it Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia other than say check yeah me up. too hmm. Okay, so uh moving on so sort of slightly different. I've gone to the uh, kind of other end of the spectrum. I have gone to nineteen sixty nine the tail end of the decade. My number five is Easy Rider Ah, okay, yeah so um <laughs> this was i mean i th- I think it was just kind of really worth mentioning because this was kind of one of the very, very first movies to kind of have the pop rock soundtrack. Hmm. which is ubiquitous now and that's what you get with kind of almost every film now um, unless it's you know Christopher Nolan or or Steven Spielberg or whatever and this was kind of where it all began really so and uh, um, in case you don't know the story of two bikers driving across America and they meet a lawyer on the way um, directed by Dennis Hopper who's one of the bikers also Peter Fonda and the Jack Nicholson with the guy that they meet on the way famously shot without any screenplay whatsoever just a kind of couple of ad-lib lines and the names of the characters and they kind of off went off and made it what i love about this is the film cost something like three or four hundred thousand dollars to film so for the actors for the production for the film for everything to do with the, the visual side three four hundred thousand dollars the rights to the music licensing it's cost over a million so some, about roughly about two thirds to three quarters of the budget of this film was the soundtrack, and it, it and it, it kind of changed the game really because you suddenly had Steppenwolf and the Birds and Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan or all all of the soundtrack and suddenly you had. A kind of this thing where I mean, until the sixties, many filmmakers they kind of treated the soundtrack as sort of background music to build moods or underscore, underscore kind of key plot elements. But Dennis Hopper he put this sort of right up front and centre, almost as an additional character, and that's something you see in like a Tarantino or an Edgar mm. Wright film now. This is the first film I believe that kind of ever did, ever really did it, and it's also another film that was. Kind of the film where studios realised that they could hand some money over to low, sort of avant-garde directors for low-budget films, and they could actually make quite a lot of money for them if you know if they struck gold, so to speak. I mean, I won't say it's a great film. I think it's kind of. I'm really happy I never had to watch the original four to five hour cuts. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've obviously watched the. I've obviously watched the theatrical release. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's dated a little bit, but the, but one thing you can't can't deny is the power of the music that goes all the way through it and the influence that it had on kind of soundtracks ever since
0: yeah it's got um dennis hopper in one of his earlier roles well not early early but is kind of early familiar yeah, yeah. And um, directing yeah. as well jack yeah. nicholson and uh, peter fonda who's the late peter fonda now isn't he uh, no longer with us um yeah. and um it's uh yeah it, it's a very distinctive film you're right it's kind of like it is front and center isn't it the the music it changes
1: what, yeah, yeah I, think, I, sp- I think pretty much all the songs were been previously released. Yeah. before the film came like, out, I think a couple be of songs were himself, before the me. film, and I think that yeah, they went and uh, they went out and actually picked the songs, which which is what as you know, Tarantino and Edgar Wright do now so well. That's what he. Got, I think he's one of the very first people to do that and say, right, that's the song. I, I want Jimi Hendrix over this bit. I want Born to Be Wild over that. Bit. So, this and, is, and, and it works really, really well. It's slightly precursing. Uh martin
0: scorsese as well, as well isn't it who was starting to make yeah. films around that time but he didn't really get into his use of it was sort of mean street during the early footage. 70s wasn't
1: it
0: yeah sort of found yeah. um, found music i think it's the expression i can't remember the uh it's what they call it now which is basically using existing songs um uh, to a yeah. affect- in a film but yeah i i don't think it's a great film i have to say but that's not what this is about you
1: know it's 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 very influential from both a visual and kind of and 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 the kind of director styling you know there were other people who then went off with a camera and yeah took too many drugs and saw what came out (laughs) you know see what they could make uh, afterwards but yeah I, i mean the soundtrack absolutely great it's reached number six on the uh Billboard album charts, and I think it probably still shifts quite a few copies now. Yeah, yep, yeah, indeed. Um, and,
0: yeah, it's one of those sort of cult classics, isn't it, as well? I remember that. Yeah. It was one of the more familiar. Everybody
1: says they like it, but they if you ask ask them about why, <laughs> yeah probably the section of the music, um, there's not a great deal to recommend. I mean, Jack Nicholson's sort of main first role, wasn't Yeah, there's not a great he's, deal. He's, to the... he's quite interesting. There's not a great deal to the Sitting deal, story, Sitting on the campfire. It's yeah, just about
0: no. yeah certain scenes biking certain scenes by the campfire as you said drug kind of themes yeah uh, and it's it's just about the shiny chrome <laughs> kind of work, uh, uh, frameworks of the bike and stuff like that is yeah uh, it's almost a bit kind of pornographic in that regard, if that makes sense um, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's real for, for bikers isn't it almost the film but it's um it's quite a yeah I'd, I'd say a ropey film with not much to it but as you said that's not that's not what matters really in this regard and. No. It is certainly very distinctive. I have to say, yeah, yep, okay, right. Anything else on that? From one?
1: now onwards, all of my, all of the rest of my films are genuine film scores. I just, I thought that would be an interesting one to kind of start with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't give it a second thought. I, I, I look, saw it on my list of things to look at, but I didn't, didn't give it a second thought. To be honest, Yeah, so yeah fair enough. <laughs> perceptions might change from one, one person to another. But anyway, yeah, that's that's okay. Interesting. Should we move on then to my onto your number four?
1: Okay. well, let's see what you have next.
0: I'm deep into Phil territory here, uh, which I think tells you one of two things that you'll all know about. Um, I've moved into the Bond factor here. There we go. I I listened to, um, obviously, the six Bond films films well, if you don't count that Casino yeah. rail random thingy-bob that was going on. There's six other Bond films uh, from the era, including the first one, of course, Doctor No in 62, yeah. got from Russia with Love in 63, yeah. A Goldfinger 64, pretty much a year each at the beginning. Um, I might Thunder mention... ball. Yeah, I mean, then, I, I had
1: two or three... You only lived twice.
0: Exactly. There's two or, two or three that I could have put in here. I and then you got,
1: also got on A Majesty's Secret Service as well. Have exactly. I missed any? Yeah,
0: no, I think, yeah, I mean, Doctor No, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And yeah. um, the one which I've got, which is the second film from Russia with Love. So what... what best I've done the, the best of all those films, definitely. Yeah, and and I think the best soundtrack, because you have got, of course, with Doctor No, one of the seminal themes of Bob yeah. established. And it's interesting listening back to that film thinking it's it's a lot of kind of jamaican themed caribbean themed music which is all good it's all works well um i don't think it's a classic soundtrack
1: no. the three blind mice and all
0: of that yeah yeah this is very distinctive it works really well it fits the film nicely but i think really you've only got one one main theme there which is outstandingly good and the yeah. rest is just quite good yeah um, definitely on that basis, I didn't pick Doctor No, and this is the only Bond film I've got from Russia with Love in the top five. I'll, I'll half spoil my uh, way there. What happens with, from Russia with Love is he takes it on and runs with it. So you've got the main yeah. theme coming in. He plays in the other main themes that that are kind of synonymous with Bond, and the score in general. Having listened back to it, is really good. i, yeah. I obviously, watched the Bond films when we covered Bonds quite recently, but listening to the to the soundtrack and the score in isolation gives you a different perspective which is quite interesting anyway and all the way through it all informs the action and it's quite it's bombastic isn't it yeah. bombastic or bombastic? Yeah, yeah yes <laughs> um it really is and it um all of it is a really high caliber of music as i said i'm not an expert on music but i can tell when i'm listening to something that's good i can't tell you yeah. why necessarily but it's heavy orchestration, lots of you know, it's a proper proper orchestra, and they're they're going at it, hammer and tongs, and all the way through it, it's solidly very very good. And I think other Bond films, um, which just missed out, such as On Her Majesty's Secret Service and You Only Live
1: Twice, which I thought were equally equally. They they were they were they were other main ones that I would suggest. I think in terms of. I mean, quite often with Bond, it's about the big signature song as well as yeah. the score. Yeah. I think On Her Majesty's Secret Service, is, with all the, with, we have all the time in the world, it's probably the best song hmm. uh, of the ones that we've mentioned. But in terms of the actual score itself, I'd say yeah, it's a tie-out for me between From Russia with Love and You Only Live Twice, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I've got You Only Live Twice among Her Majesty's
0: Secret Service as my two shortlisted yeah. miss outers <laughs> from the Bond
1: canon. I, I've chosen not to actually, spoiler, have any Bond films because I thought it was too obvious. <laughs> so, You've got Easy Rider ahead of Bond. I, well, yeah, I, I, I mean, when we last time we started talking about Bond, we did a three-hour podcast, so I thought I'd abstain <laughs> on this occasion. But they're fantastic pieces of work. Definitely. And when you hear it, I just can imagine the visuals that go with it because I've seen those films so many times.
0: Yeah. And again, it does, again, it's one of those soundtracks, one of those scores which does inform the action, um, particularly from Russia. We love all of them, all of them do. Um, And it's what it does, it just, um, it gives you the flavour, you know those punchy yeah. kind of little notes that just cut through and give you the urgency and the, the fact it's an action film, it's a thriller, it's a spy film. You can feel that through the through the notes, the way they they punch the air. And um, he's great, John Barry. Also,
1: he's he doesn't sort of limit himself to. I mean, Quite a lot of the scores around that time were kind of orchestral only. But I mean, the main James Bond theme is a guitar. You you wouldn't get that with maybe some other composers. He kind of mixes and matches and chooses kind of certain instruments and certain instrumentation for certain passages. And he does it absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, not only in Bond films either, though, the guitar yeah. usage in the 60s.
0: I think that jangly kind of electronic yeah. sound and guitar is quite uh, synonymous with the 60s in general. But I think at the forefront of that is your man there, John Barry. He really is uh, at the forefront of it. Of course, the film itself, for what it's well, we won't go on about from Russia, we love too much because we've already mentioned. Yeah. It. Course, go back the... and
1: listen to the Bond podcast if you got exactly. spare <laughs> half a
0: day. Just to say, um, <laughs> it's a Bond film where he willingly it was discussed into... that depth exactly. Yeah, he gets a, there's an assassination plot involving a naive Russian beauty. Uh, he willingly gets involved in that plot. That's the romantic Soviet encryption device that was stolen by Spectre. Yeah, yeah. we will say no more about it so back over to you
1: Phil, for your number four we're rattling along today, so my number four um i've uh, yeah I've gone for the great escape Pretty oh, yes. ob- obvious <laughs> speaking yes. as an England football fan he's one of those ones that's kind of fairly obvious choice so um written by Elmer Bernstein um American composer and conductor, not to be confirmed with Confirmed, confused <laughs> with with Leonard Bernstein, who did West Side Story. Yeah. Um, obviously, the story of Allied prisoners of war. Um, planning several hundred of their number to escape from a German uh, POW camp during World War II. Directed by John Sturges, who also did lots of other military-type films, The Eagle Has Landed, Ice Station Zebra, Gunfight the OK Corral, Magnificent Seven, Bad Day Black Rock, et cetera, et cetera. Starring the likes of, well, the big ensemble cast, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, Donald Pleasance, James Kerbin um David McCallum, etc., etc., but he, each of the major characters has their own kind of musical motif, kind of based on the main theme. And the themes in this—I mean, it, everybody knows what they are because it's just you watch an English football match and you hear the brass band in the background playing it all the way through. But it's not—I mean, the military themes in there, so the sort of marchy kind of themes, the ones you're th- most people think about associated with this film. It's not all that there are um kind of a lot there are other kind of bits of music within it as well Um, there's warm softer themes that kind of humanize the prisoners and endear the audience towards them um as well as the the kind of the the big bangers as you might say it's it's a great i mean i mean the popularity of this particular soundtrack bernstein lived off kind of the the royalties of this for, for the rest of his life i mean he did compose a lot of other soundtracks, but I think this was the one that basically paid the, paid the salary, and everything else was just for pleasure. Yeah, it's an absolute classic film. It is a classic soundtrack. The theme, the main theme in particular, is. I've uh, watched it for ages because it was one of those things that you watched on a bank holiday as a kid. Yeah, I've watched it in y- decades, and no, I sat down and it. watched it, and I forgot how much, how what great fun it is. Yeah, it really is a
0: great fun film and lots of classic scenes again in there. But as far as the music goes, yeah, it's it's a a real iconic uh, soundtrack, isn't it? I've always loved that. I think superb composer, uh, superb soundtrack. And um, I I haven't got any more to say than you've already covered, really. Other than say one thing, which is I used to have a a T-shirt, Great Escape T-shirt, which got a lot of comments. I wish I still had it now, but it it was a, a white and background so it's kind of long since grade itself into oblivion and been given away a long time ago plus I wouldn't fit into it now uh but it was yeah white background but it just had the iconic image of Steve McQueen on the bike it, yeah. sort I of remember. sitting in poised yeah. ready to do his thing uh it's great great I love well that
1: scene is one of the best stunts ever done you know yeah. because because you know the difficulty in driving up the kind of the kind of grass and jumping over the bar by a fence this isn't a spoiler you all I mean you all know this. <laughs> I mean I mean a bit more on Elmer Bernstein so in his uh, early he was born in 1922 I mean quite a lot of these composers that we're talking about are all of the same generation um, he faced a lot of censure in the 50s uh, during the McCarthy era because he'd written music for a communist newspaper hmm. and so but he still had bills to play to play he still had bills to pay so he went off and made films for kind of more kind of like exploitation type films so you had the guy who wrote the great escape and some other films i'll get onto shortly in the 1950s because he couldn't work in hollywood because of all the mccarthy kind of witch hunt things he made did the soundtrack for the likes of cat women of the moon and robot (laughs) monster (laughs) <laughs> bit of a step down from the stuff that he'd been done before and the stuff that he'd been doing after uh, he's got quite a diverse cv as well so the big hitters when you kind of flick through it are the magnificent seven obviously the great escape to kill a mockingbird true grit my left foot both cape fears um but he also did a big sideline in comedies particularly kind of your 80s so he also did the soundtracks for like Animal House, Airplane, Blues Brothers, Trading Places, and Ghostbusters. Yeah, prolific. In- interesting. Good too. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's great. Yeah, he, he is one of the all-time greats, without any doubt. I don't think he's related to the aforementioned Leonard, is he? I By don't the believe so. I don't think he is. Um, but, um, yeah, an all-time great um, scoresman. <laughs> Throwing is that, a is that the word? no no I'll just make it <laughs> <laughs> at least I think so anyway uh, um yeah and he, i i love it i think it's great it's as you said it's a bank holiday film isn't it um and uh one of the all time classic war films and the music is
1: not letting it down not letting uh, it one final point on it, it's also got some of the more classic accents done by actors. Another, <laughs> another one thing that I enjoy. So you've got Charles Bronson playing a Polish guy, an <laughs> airman, I believe. And he's almost, you can hardly understand a single word that he says, and I don't know what he's trying to say. Uh, he's still good. I mean, he's quite a kind of, a, you know, menacing kind of athletic actor. And James Coburn playing an Australian <laughs> which I didn't actually realise he was playing an Australian until he said he was Australian towards the end. <laughs> I remember the. I same. thought he was trying to do an <laughs> English accent all the way through, thinking, what, "What is he doing?"
0: Yeah, I remember that dawning realisation. It was tr- tragic to discover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if it was actually the reason he mentioned it at the end. And said, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know, I'm playing an Australian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: obviously yeah another the final final note on it supposedly based on the, on the true story I did a bit of reading up after watching the film on how true it was the answer is not really that true but it makes for a very good yarn yeah it certainly does
0: and of course it has a number of classic scenes in it as well doesn't it which we'll uh, get get onto, I'm sure uh, another time if we ever talk about that again but we'll uh, we probably should we'll um... do
1: war films at some point won't we
0: Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, that's that's great. So back that's
1: to okay. you for number three.
0: Right. Okay. Well, we move on. We move genres again, and we do cover something which we have done before. So again, I won't dwell too much on the film. Uh, once I've mentioned what it is, but uh, it's a seminal classic in terms of soundtracks. It's from the spaghetti western oeuvre, oh. but it's, it's a fistful of dollars. Having listened back. I think this is the okay. best, uh, the best of the um, the trilogy. Um, really?
1: Yeah. Controversial.
0: I know. I've yeah, listening back to it and listening to it in isolation, without which, what I've never done before. I've only ever seen it when I watched the film. Um, I think it's the, the better score. It's it's the first signature of the Clint Eastwood man yeah. with the no name character. So it's all the imprints I think are from there for a few dollars more is really quite derivative of this soundtrack. There are some different strains and notes and and arrangements, but it's essentially, you know, it's essentially born of the same uh, same thing. Um, so this is the original of the three Spaghetti Westerns, of course. Uh, the general concept, stranger rides into town, um, known for his deadly rivalry between two of the, factor, uh, of the factions, the Baxters and the Rojos. Instead of fearing for his life, the man uh, the man plays the two sides to his own advantage. So that's the general concept. It's the lone... It's, it's, it's kind of
1: a remake of a Kurosawa film, isn't
0: it? Is it exactly. Yojimbo? Yeah. Yojimbo, yeah, indeed. So it's the, it's the lone warrior the lone kind of bandit I mean it's originally it's just it's a unemployed samurai isn't it I think in the you Ojimbo know, and and in this it's basically yes yeah, the gun for hire type of character but who seems to be acting for on his own uh, so that's the general background to it is Clint Eastwood of course in the main role the music oh the well, director by Sergio Leone of course and the music is by the great Ennio Morricone uh, we've talked about him before of course in yeah. a number of we did
1: westerns yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, he he is an incredibly prolific composer, Italian, of course, as you'll guess from his name, if you didn't already know. Um, He's worked through generations and decades, all sorts of very interesting, eclectic, abstract soundtracks that he's done on a a whole variety of films. A lot of it in in the Italian cinema um, area, but also he's worked across the waters. Yeah, I haven't watched that much Italian
1: cinema. I think how much stuff I might have been missing
0: out there, really. Yeah. These quirky notes, these flutes and piccolos and strange kind of compositions that he comes up with in A Fistful of Dollars and the rest of the Spaghetti Western stuff that he's done Mm -hmm. um, is also stuff that he's done before and since in Italian cinema and in various other films for various countries as well. He's worked across the world. Um, Just a quick word on him, first of all. I mean, he was um, born in 10th of November 1928 in Roma. Um, and he uh, he died eventually in July 2020. So he had a good.
1: Oh, okay, good I didn't realise it was that recent.
0: Yeah, I mean, he worked. Uh, he, he worked for the vast majority of that until he basically couldn't work anymore due to ill health. Um, he was a, an orchestrator, a conductor, and a trumpeter as well. Who wrote music in a wide range of styles, as we'll probably talk no, about. Definitely, before. yeah. Um, more than four hundred scores for cinema. And, that's and, ridiculous. Uh, with TV as well, that is, yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as more than 100 other classical works. Um, he's widely considered uh, one of the most prolific and greatest film composers of all time. I'm not going to argue with that. No. I think that's 100% the case. Um, he's, He's, I mean, you could do... Uh, you'd struggle to to narrow it down to 10 classic scores just by Ennio Morricone, um, really. And any of his spaghetti western stuff could have been worthy of a place here. Maybe something else might be, maybe it won't. I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to spoil things. But from his spaghetti western stuff, uh, the, the, the trilogy, the Man with No Name trilogy, I think this is the stuff that's more distinctive. Of course, we have to mention the good and the bad and the ugly, though, in honorable mention. That was very, very close. It was on the shortlist. It does have one or two... It's got the
1: big hitters in it, has it? Absolutely the Bad and the Ugly. Classics.
0: And if it was... It, I've gone kind of with the whole score as a way of trying to differentiate between things that should be on the list and shouldn't um, when it comes down to it. The Good, the Bad and the Ugly has got some absolute classic main themes in there. But I just think when having listened to both scores in their entirety... Okay, that's
1: interesting. I, I, actually, I, need, to, I need to go back and listen to this for the score, work, Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, just I'm going to mention a couple of other things at this point from my longer list. Um, things also from the 60s, which have very, very classic, amazingly good uh, main themes, but don't have an awful lot to them beyond that. Azorba the Greek, which if you don't know what that is, you just Google it and you'll realise yeah,
1: you do yeah. know what it is. It's, That's an Italian uh, film, isn't it?
0: Um, I'm not sure who, who made it, actually. Okay. It's, it's, um, Azorba the Greek is um, with, what's his name, Anthony Quinn, isn't it? As, um, yeah. As the eponymous character um and it's it's the Greek theme you've probably heard if you've yeah. if you ever think of any greek music it's that um not a great deal to the rest of it i've also got in there bullet which a classic yeah, car chase Schifrin. yeah. Schifrin, classic tune, but i didn't really like the rest of the soundtrack it's all quite generic and a bit too twiddly jazzy sixties stuff for me i don't don't like it too much and a shot in the dark um the um, pink Panther...
1: Well, the pe- is that Henry Mancini is
0: it it is yeah henry yeah. mancini another classic 60s composer that's where most of his best work probably is regarded to have come from um, those are all classic theme main titles but then i don't yeah. think overall scores are particularly of any particular merit so that's that's why i didn't put the band uh, sorry the good band the ugly in there but um from the man with no name trilogy it's a fistful of dollars at number 3
1: Fantastic, oh, an excellent, excellent, excellent thing. I need to go back and listen to the soundtrack. I watched a film 18 months ago when we were doing westerns. Anyway, my number three, yep. uh, I think this is the first time we've had Hitchcock come up on the list. It is, of course, Psycho from well, 1960. I can tell you and now that's three, my number two as well. There you go. Obviously, I mean, when we did the 50s, uh, pod we went in pretty deep on bernard herman um so i won't kind of repeat any of the kind of stuff that we said there obviously that alfred hitchcock film made on a on very much on a budget i think he got his tv crew in to come in and do it he didn't have his normal large budget he obviously asked bernard herman if he'd like to reduce his fee you know in line with everybody else doing it to which bernard said no chance (laughs) so but that but so um uh, so, so what happened? What that meant was that um, they weren't able to afford the kind of full orchestra that you would normally have, have got for a piece like this. So they based so as they had lower budget, they they kind of used it to their advantage by just having a string uh, section do the entire soundtrack. Nothing else. No symphonic ensemble. Um, I think Hitchcock wanted a jazz score and Herman went no it's all going to be done on strings and we're going to mute the strings for the whole soundtrack apart from that one scene (laughs) and there's no denying (laughs) that it works absolutely spectacularly I mean this is one of those things that it could be higher on the list but it's, it's in very very good company in the top three um Well, it is higher on my list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are rumours that that he used electric effects beneath the music for the uh, shower scene. It's incorrect. They only used violins. um, uh, Inspired, I think, by the Hungarian composer Bela Bartók, he created these horrible, (laughs) well, I shouldn't say horrible, violin pieces that he kind of borrowed and, you know, I think sort of, um, surveys and things say that it's the scariest theme of all time. That and Jaws are the two that kind of the ominous and scariest sort of sounding things you can kind of ever imagine. I mean it's, it's an exceptional piece of work.
0: Yeah. The um I think the earlier music as well, when she's escaping with the money and she's driving and there's a wipers going at night and there's a facing front kind of view of her driving um and the, the music starts yeah. the, and orchestration starts coming, in. That's all really good as
1: well. That really Yeah so the main theme it kind of it sets this like a sort of tone of impending violence because for the first 20 minutes not really anything no. really happens but it's it's kind of unsettling and you think well something this is uncomfortable something's not kind of quite right here but you're kind of there's more and more tension just kind of builds up and builds up I mean it's absolute masterclass in how, how to kind of do that thing and because he had the black and white um kind of film I think I think Herman kind of used the kind of um, sort of single tone color to kind of like match the black and white kind of the visuals. And it just, it's just, I don't, it's 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 absolute masterclass world class whatever you want
0: to call it oh, 100% it is one of the absolute all time great soundtracks it's beautiful looking the film as well beautiful black and white at a time where a lot of stuff was coming into color he stuck with black and white for this particular film because he thought it would suit the um what he wanted to do with it in terms of uh, the the way he wanted to tell the story um and as um, I said, that that soundtrack, as you said, it, it, it's, it, there's just a, it's kind of smooth and rolling and it kind of just takes you sweeping along, very beautifully orchestrated. But also, as you said, there's those hints. And That's like that
1: niggly little
0: undertone, isn't it? Yeah, there's just something not quite right here. It's very, very Hitchcock, isn't it? Even though it's not obviously him composing the music, but that fits yeah. the Hitchcock mode so well and then as you said the 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 absolute classic shower scene that everyone has talked about forevermore ad infinitum um which of course as famously has the intercutting the editing the um was it chocolate sauce or whatever it was for the plug all of those things and you think you've seen more than you have and all that stuff all of that um is clever in its own right but i think that 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 strings that stabbing stringy sounds when the attack is happening um just finishes that scene
1: off just so it, it does. Horrible. It does. I mean Hitchcock really originally wanted to have no music for the shower scene. So yeah. Herman wrote a piece of music called The Murder, with these screeching violins, violas and cellos. And Hitchcock was said, well yeah, I mean it vastly intensified the scene. And I think yeah. having that piece of music in it also doubled Herman's salary. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and I think Hitchcock also said that 33% of the effect of psycho was due to the music and the, the the film depended heavily on it for the kind of tension and sense of pervading doom which yeah. yeah that's it yeah and i think
0: not all films need music some of them some of them do some of them don't and when they do to varying degrees they are of, of necessity or or
1: purpose and i think yeah it's, it's like good. when we on well, the last podcast when we spoke about dog day afternoon no school no music and it's, yeah and, that, that, and that, fit, that fits the visuals and, and, yeah. and, and sensibility to that film absolutely yeah. perfectly. And in this case, it, 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 the music it ups the tension. It, it completely and utterly kind of fits the visuals. Oh, yeah, really, I mean, if you, you, look at, you look at
0: Westerns, you look at epics in the desert or biblical epics or whatever they might be, and you look at uh, thrillers, which is what this is, I think you there might be an argument against it, but I think you pretty much need the music to be a character in the story either to set the mood or to actually kind of drive the mood which is what I think it does here it is a character in the film isn't it which we we yeah. mentioned when we talked about this before and I guess you could say there's a little bit of a link to the easy rider there in, in one sense uh it could be seen as a character in the film yes. but in this case it's about the actual the, how the narrative's being told it's it's part of that and it just hits a crescendo. Um, all of the rest of the score is great as well. All the little... Yeah. And- it, it sounds
1: very underrated. People just kind of focus in on on, on that scene because yeah. it is so iconic. But the whole piece of work is excellent. Yeah. And and also you
0: mentioned about Hitchcock being willing and adaptable to, to, to accept, OK, that's pretty good. We'll put that in. And, you know, it is a collaborative yeah. um, art form, isn't it? Filmmaking, generally speaking. And... It's good that he was adaptable and willing to work with people. He tended to work from novels more often than not, and he did have a very rigid idea of what he wanted to do. The um, storyboarding was all mapped out in advance and all the other stuff, again, we talked about before in the the very first episode of this series. And that's very true. But he was able to adapt and change um, to collaborators such as Bernard Herman, where he saw uh, fit to do so, where he could see the benefit of doing so. And they they had a fantastic relationship until, again, we the mentioned it, it, yeah. it unraveled tragically towards the end, um, and they'd never worked again. But while they were working happily together, it was it was a, one of the happiest uh, marriages
1: of. Um, of I mean, that. you do find that a lot of the kind of directors do go back to the same. I mean, Steven Spielberg and John Williams, yeah. and, and, and Sergio Leone, you know, of course, as well. Yeah, with, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. And David Lean and Boris Shaw, yeah. Yeah, they have the dependable right hand man that they know is going to understands what they're trying to kind of yeah. Portray. In the
0: same way as as a lot of them will use actors over and over yeah. again oh, hmm.
1: Absolutely. So
0: yeah, so that's your number three, and that's my number two. So we kind of um, jumped ahead of our usual break
1: points. My um, number two um, is Lawrence of true. Arabia, which we've already discussed. Oh, yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, that's. Any uh, more to say on, on Lawrence?
1: It's great. <laughs> just yeah, yeah listen to it and you'll start feeling thirsty straight away <laughs> exactly it's just all that sand and that, yeah <laughs> well,
0: the need to rehydrate it's almost as if we need to do that you may have noticed we haven't mentioned drinks We're not drinking tonight Phil. night That's off it. tonight yeah yeah yes yeah, so just uh, i'm not used to it. i'm not up to the pace of it you know um it can't, can't, I haven't got the, the alcoholic toleration having had so many weeks without doing this podcast. Of <laughs> <laughs> normally having beers. So, yeah, that brings us really just to our number one. So are we going to take a break there and leave a little bit of drama? Yeah, and-
1: that sounds good. Yeah, and I'll so
0: need to so forth. Okay, we shall be back with our number ones, with any other um, top fives that other people have sent us, and also with our honourable mentions list as well. Uh, that's Fantastic. Okay, well, in part two. See you in a moment.
1: I couldn't help myself out to go and get a beer. <laughs> Psychosomatics. So, so um, I'm on the Northern Monk and I'm on the Neapolitan ice cream pale ale. Oh, 6.2%. It's all right, actually. I could oh, drink a lot of it, but, you know, normal size can, it's all right. Yeah, it's not healthy to have too much ice cream, is it? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, say psychosomatic. That's perfect when well, we just talked about psycho. Uh, using yeah. the same words again. Anyway, yeah, I'm still on the sensible stuff due to recent ailments. I'm trying to take it easy. Um, A bit of Earl Grey tea and water. (laughs) I know how to live. Rock and roll. I've got a stag do to go to this weekend, so I've got to be careful in advance of that. Right, okay, on to our number ones. Normally, we start with number twos in part two, but we're already up to number one due to our crossovers and not not be able to talk about... Because we're not
1: drinking as much, we're not talking as much nonsense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we can't go into excruciating
0: detail about orchestrations, really. Not being um, classicists at all, as it were, uh, in the music front. But, okay, well, onto our number ones. I think this might be the same one. We'll find out in about five seconds. As I, I think it is. That my number one is Once Upon a Time in the West.
1: Oh. I hope that's so... all you got.
0: I've got Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. As I said, I've I left Good, the Bad, and the Ugly out, and I've gone with Once Upon a Time in the West. So we've both gone for
1: Sergio Sergio Leone film. It's brilliant, though, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as I said, as I sort of alluded to earlier, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It's got probably two his two most famous pieces of work in the kind of the main theme for mm-hmm. everybody, and and the kind of the agony and the ecstasy, the the. The graveyard piece of music, um, and I think that for my for me that slightly elevates it above the others. But I mean they're pretty much indistinguishable. Most most of the works that he did around that period they're absolutely fantastic. Um, they're, I mean they're they're music that you can listen to and enjoy. And, uh, but they again, as we said with Psycho, they completely match the visuals in every possible way. You could you can almost feel the sweat when you <laughs> and the and the pain of sitting on a horse too long as as you listen to it. Yeah, again, you've got the sort of um, you've
0: got the jangly guitars, you've got the orchestrations, the wild, the wild sweeping kind of noises, the vocals uh, in Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, um, are the what sets it aside, I suppose, in its distinctiveness compared with the other stuff he did for the man with no name trilogy but um the um yeah the uh, i think this film is just it's so overwrought it's kind of massively over the top yeah.
1: it's got it's got a love it. melodrama to it hasn't it i mean um, we did go in deep on both films when we did our westerns episode we did. so we'll, we'll, talk about we'll try and keep it to the music <laughs> the, yeah. sound, uh, the score rather yeah. yeah so on on the musical side
0: i mean it's um as I said, you've got the operatics, which is the, the key difference here, I think. Um, again, you've got your typical motifs in terms of the Ennio Morricone um, kind of odd notes. There's those really outstanding surprise notes that pop up and yeah. um, and kind of punctuate the uh, punctuate the air, punctuate the film. Um, it's it's got a grandiose, it's got an epic sweep, you yeah. could say, in, in the way that Lawrence of Arabia has. Um, very heavy on the music um it's kind of it's front and center again as quite often the case with his films um obviously you've got with, with good the bad and the ugly some some main scenes where it really cranks up the music and it's just the same with this with once in yeah. the west um it's centerpiece you've got those set pieces like the uh the guy's waiting at the train station, the fly on the road, the, the accidental yeah. bit. And those those extreme close-ups, as you said, the sweat, the claustrophobia of the, the climate as they're waiting and something's about to happen, the tension builds, the music 100% is part of that tension building, um, sometimes by not being there, as well as the moments when it is. Yeah. I think that's clever the way it comes and goes to to, to help that. that oh, yeah. Yeah. All year long, it's it's, it's brilliant. I just uh, we've talked about it quite a bit when we 're talking about our Western. So yeah, that's probably
1: our second longest episode after James Bond. I would have thought, yeah. And it's so at the forefront of the,
0: the the film that we couldn't help doing so at the time. As such, I don't know if we really need to say too much more about about it. Certainly, in terms of Once Upon a Time in the West, because I think it's probably all been said before, hasn't it? Um, just a couple of bits on the on the film, um, 1968 Spaghetti Western, of course directed by Sergio Leone, as we've already mentioned. Um and um, Eastwood. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, this is this one is um once upon a time in the west it stars henry fonda of course yeah. in his cast against type, role as the bad guy man in the black hat. and he's
1: horrible yeah it
0: really is yeah exactly uh, you've got charles bronson who we've mentioned of course in the great yeah, escape. you can
1: understand what he's saying a
0: little bit better in this one compared <laughs> to the great escape yeah jason robards and you've got the italian flavor as well um in triplicate not just the the director and the yeah. uh, and the um composer but also claudio cabinalli as the a, a then newly widowed homesteader of the story, a widespread, uh, sorry, widescreen cinematography, epic scale. Um, it's beautiful. It's by Torino Delli Colli. So you can another... literally
1: see the flies landing on the
0: camera, can't you? Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, and yeah, absolutely superb. What I'll probably say, because we've spoken about that soundtrack in particular in quite a bit of detail, I'll probably just go on say a little bit more about Ennio Morricone himself, actually, and this obviously ties in with yeah. your, your number one choice too. Um, we mentioned he was born in Rome, and what I didn't mention was he—he's um, the son of um, Mario Morricone, who was a musician as well, so he comes from a musical background. Um, when he was born, he was it was under fascist rule—a a whole different world of difference. Yeah. back in those times. Um, His family came from Arpino which is near Frosinone. No I don't know it either. (laughs) You could
1: be making this up and I'd have no idea. (laughs) Um,
0: He he was one of five siblings um, so quite a big family classic Italian scenario I suppose Um, and he lived in Trastevere which is in the centre of Rome. Uh, his father, we mentioned was a musician. He was a trumpeter. Sorry about the cat noise in the yeah, background. Yeah, I can, he, can he hear the mewing <laughs> in the background. I sort of let her out as we speak. Um, <laughs> um, his, his father was a trumpeter, and um, he performed in light music orchestra um, while his mother set up small textile business. So that's his background. Fairly modest kind of background, but the musical family element obviously is the key here. And it was his father who taught him to read music and um, to play several instrum- instruments. Um, He did go to a musical um, establishment as well for his education, St Cecilia Conservatory, uh, where he took lessons under the guidance of Umberto Semproni, who I think we can safely say is also Italian. Uh, And he formally entered the conservatory in 1940, it says here online, at the age of 12, um, enrolling in a four-year harmony programme that he completed within six months. And he studied trumpet, composition, choral music under um, direction, and um, he would later dedicate concert pieces to to his uh, tutor there. Um, oh. And then he went on to, um, well... Plenty more studious activities, uh, and as we know from his enormously prolific work, as he yes. said, over four hundred scores for film and TV. I think it's safe to say he got started quite quickly, and uh, we won't go into his whole his whole biography here, but. Uh, you know that, that gives yeah. a bit of a backdrop to to so the man who made to this music for these two great films that we've chosen as our number yeah. one. Yeah, so he would have been
1: in his sort of late thirties again when he made these films. Um, what I mean, one I mean, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is the daddy, as far as I'm concerned. So previously, um, Morricone had kind of scored Leone's films in post-production phase. When I did the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, he worked on the themes together with. Um, Sergio Leone before the shooting started with the kind of music inspiring the film as much as the, the film was inspiring the music. And he was even kind of playing the music while they were filming to kind of line up shots and that kind of thing, which I think was kind of quite revolutionary at the time. Coordinating kind of camera movements to match it. Um, I it, mean, it, it's, I mean, the, I mean, the good, the bad and ugly, it's got, it's the compositions themselves. They can contain gunfire, whistling, yodeling. <laughs> Um, they have an actual they blend an actual coyote into the in at the beginning of stuff the credits into the kind of the, the the main two-pitch theme which resembles the howling of the coyote and then uh, the three main characters well the good the bad and the ugly um they they have the same theme but all kind of played by a different instrument so clint eastwood's character has the flute van cleef has the ocarina and then the human voice for Eli, Eli Wallach as the ugly. And, but it, it, it's just all those little touches that the kind of themes and those little motifs, they work so well. And for me, I think, as I mentioned it earlier, the ecstasy of the gold, the ecstasy of gold, which plays just, just was kind of, yeah, two goes running towards the. The cemetery towards the end. It's just one of the f- f- best pieces of music ever written. And you watch that and you see him running and hair stands up. I mean, it's also the intro tape Metallica use before they go on stage, so <laughs> and it works so well. Then a lot of kind of hip hop bands have kind of sampled quite a lot of the sort of soundtracks. Yeah, so sort of, this particular soundtrack, um, and uh, but it, it also has like the. During the Civil War scenes, they've kind of got this mournful ballad, the story of a soldier, which is kind of much more sort of poetic and mournful compared to kind of the desolate themes that you have in other places. It's just, it covers everything. It just works so well. Yeah. It's the best soundtrack. It, I think I said it when we did the Westerns. It's my favourite soundtrack ever made from any wow. decade. It's the business. Almost well, it's right up there, yeah. And then, as i said watch it in
0: conjunction with the film obviously which is the intended way uh it really does do everything you've just said it really just puts yeah. the hairs on the back of your neck up and that's got to be worth something hasn't it that if yeah to do that it was interesting that i've i've gone down the line of listening to the, the scores only. yeah
1: see i bit haven't bit. done that i've watched the films but i think yeah. should i know should I, I, really? I, I, should, I should i should listen towards film it's film. an interesting experiment the scores I'm... in isolation really yeah
0: is that the best way to judge it? That's the question, I suppose, because in the yeah, end, yeah, it's part of, as I said, a collaborative process yeah. is part of a finished product that goes along with those images and the direction, the particular way they show you the story, the directors and the actors, performances and everything else involved, cinematography, of course. Um, you know so maybe maybe it's worthy of revision again for me I, I don't know because on another day i could put that as my favorite soundtrack of all time this yeah. is the ambiguity of it all no exactly <laughs> something else isn't it yeah okay well that's that um I just, else? To, I just
1: want to sit and watch it again now i know yeah but i'll be there i mean it's about three an hour if an hour was long well that and once upon a time in the west either, either of them would do great Back to back of the whole thing. <laughs> exactly.
0: I've got to get up early in the morning, and I um I have this stagnant tra- journey, so I haven't literally haven't got time to justify watching it now. No. <laughs> but I will come back to it again, I'm sure. Um, anything else on on our
1: number ones? No, no, no. I, I mean, we were of similar mind. Yeah. We didn't kind of tie up on quite as many of them as I was expecting to in the end, but uh, no, we didn't really. And I,
0: I think these yeah. are changeable, as a lot of these subjects are. I think as I do them, and as I hear you do, them, I think it does feel as if these are interchangeable. They could be adjusted as we go along, and you know, you could change your opinions on mm. these films from time to time. In fact, I did during one of the episodes at one point, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: there's there's that as well. Um, Honourable mention. We've talked about quite a few while we've kind of gone through. Um, Other ones I'd like to kind of mention that we haven't mentioned so far. Um, Jerry Goldsmith, well-known Star Trek film composer. He started off in the 60s with Planet of the Apes in 1968. That's great. That's a great, that is a really great soundtrack. Yeah, I listened to that as well.
0: It's kind of, it's, it's very edgy and abstract and it's got those kind of, echoey sounds and it that make it feel quite sci-fi-ish which of course yeah. is part of what that film is um and it's it's very odd and it's really unsettling and when you look at those images of those kind of those those dark and silhouetted kind of cross yeah. images on the on the hillside and and some of the chase sequences and things like that it, it's it's one of the best matching soundtracks to oh, a yeah. film I think, of all time and i absolutely love that film
1: yeah. that's a brilliant film um Another person that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Ron Goodwin, um, he did Where Eagles Dare and 633 Squadron. Yep. Yep. Two other kind of great proper military kind of sounding, I mean, that. Yeah, in the sixties so is still quite a lot of that. I, f- I forgot about six three
0: three squadron. That is an absolute classic. That's a belter, <laughs> belter isn't it? Track, Isn't it? Oh man, that might even be in my five. If I'd, I'd have to listen back, but if the, the main theme is something else. It's about what the
1: rest of the score is.
0: Yeah, as as my of another
1: so. interesting kind of jazz based, but kind of quite horrible <laughs> and haunting one. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce this properly. Christoph Camira or Camida did Rosemary's Baby. Which oh, has yeah, got that yeah. other really haunting theme that kind of just kind of it almost feels like nails dragging down your skin. It's just nasty, and, it, and that I mean that's a fantastic film. We have got yeah, I mean we should do Polanski at some point. Um, his yeah. his um, politics <laughs> and personal troubles aside, he's made a lot of good films, um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it really from my list.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, yeah. Um... Oh, no, sorry. Um, we mentioned Henry Mancini earlier. You mentioned Shot in the Dark. I'd say Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Pink Panther are both fantastic as well. Yeah, exactly. 100% those are on there. I was just about
0: to mention them myself. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, of course, you got the Moon River score, which was also a yeah. song in the film. Um, there's not much wrong in that. The only thing that's wrong in that is um, there's the... Um, uh, What's his name? Mickey Rooney, isn't it? Uh, playing a oh, playing a Japanese character. Japanese guy It's horrendously sort of racist. Um, it's awful, isn't and, it? And there is a, one of the one of the um, pieces of music is kind of on a Japanese theme. It's yeah, it itself's all right, but it just reminded me of the scene uh, when I played that bit back. Um, but yeah, it's a great soundtrack. Loads of good good music in there. He's, yeah. he's very kind of it's got very romantic kind of Burt Bacharachy kind of vibe going on his music, hasn't it? In the sixties. Classic classic tunes, yeah. Um, we mentioned, well, one thing, I'm, I'm not sure it's that great a soundtrack, but of course you've got Butch Cassidy, which is one of your top choices on another category before. Um, that's not a bad soundtrack. I'm not sure about...
1: Raindrops keep falling on my head.
0: but The burst of the score is functional. It's not too bad. Yeah. But um, you've mentioned The Great Escape already. One thing we haven't mentioned, which I'm surprised we haven't, and it was just missing out, along with Great Escape in my top five, The Magnificent Seven.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that Absolutely was... Um, and
0: yeah, that we, holds up well. Also,
1: Elmer Bernstein that we, we discussed earlier, yeah. Exactly, and and that really holds up well. It's a really
0: good score. It's not just yeah. um, the main famous theme, which is a brilliant theme. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the it rest is. of the score is pretty good, and it came pretty close for me.
1: Quite a lot of times when you listen to a score, if it's got a a really great central theme, that can kind of influence your kind of opinion quite quite a lot. But, but quite often, you, as we sort of alluded to earlier it's how the rest of the score stands yeah. apart from that kind of main theme yeah that's it yeah exactly but it's um, great
0: yeah it, it's really good we as you said you've mentioned the Magnificent uh, Seven there um we've mentioned the Bond films of course the other Bond films in the 60s which are all worthy of mention and um, one thing I'm, I was wondering if you might have um flagged up which you didn't was um the Ipcris file which again um oh, yeah, going, that's interesting going genre. Man. It's a classic, yeah. I mean, the the main themes. There's two or three brilliant bits of scoring in there. Um, like the Harry
1: Palmer films, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably the most famous and probably the best of the Michael kane Harry Palmer
1: films. There's what three um, of them is it? Or four? Yeah, I can't yeah. And, yeah. And it's,
0: it's John Barry,
1: and it's yeah. It's quite, it's quite jazz. Kind of, it's quite laid back. Um, oh, I haven't seen those films in years. I need to watch them. I need to binge on have a Harry Palmer evening. I think or something talk, along talk those Thrillers. Ones. I mean, it's yeah. proper it, Cold I mean, War
0: thrillers, aren't they? It's brilliant. It's it's a really really good. Uh, it's one of the best spy films, definitely. It's uh, yeah. Well, that'll be another subject for the future, probably. But, I mean, it would certainly be right up there. Yeah. And the music is very much at the centre of setting the theme, setting the tone. You know, strikes all the notes. This intrigue, the Cold War, the the whole. You know. Yeah.
1: It's not John the Um, Carrot. Is it Len Dayton, I think?
0: I think it's Len Dayton. I think so. John the Carrot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember if we mentioned it on air or not, but Midnight Cowboy is another one
1: as well. Yeah. um, Well, I I think we briefly, yeah, went over it earlier. We were talking about John Barry. I kind of said, yeah, that and uh, Zulu, which is another one in the 60s. Yeah, that's it. At this point, I'll
0: just interject. We had um, a correspondent from Ian Davis from Hampshire. He said, in no particular order... He's gone with the graduate, which we also. Think, oh yeah, for. it's got um, yeah, it's got the big pop pop song for it. Obviously, exactly. It's, it's very heavily sort of Simon and called, isn't it? Yeah, That's, I think they wrote the songs for the for that. So you can count that as a soundtrack, definitely, and it's its own right. Um And some good some good tunes in there. He's gone for the Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Midnight Cowboy. So um he's
1: playing oh, with some of our. Main Midnight or- Cowboy has got that another great theme. There's, there's a there's a, a sort of rock band called um, Faith No More, and they did a kind of cover of it on, on one of their albums, yeah. which the rest of the songs is really weird heavy metal stuff. And they put the, they just did a straight cover of that, and it's just, it's just great, fits in perfectly.
0: <clears> in. Yeah, yeah, indeed, absolutely right. So apart from those, and I've mentioned, I mean, the Eucalyptus File, Magnificent Seven, Great Escape are probably the ones. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly are the ones closest to getting in that didn't for me. Uh, we mentioned the graduate. I've already got that one. The other ones, just to mention, and these are in, are probably in all, just in ascending order. Um, other ones of notes which came close. Um, Zed, which is um, again on a the Greek theme, and it's got a lot of Greek music. It's better than Zorba the Greek in terms of. The, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, I've I've not seen it actually, but okay. I've heard of it. I heard a lot about it. I have I've, um, didn't get a chance to watch it, but I listened to the soundtrack on Spotify. It's, it's classic Greek-themed music. Yeah. Just the sort of stuff you'd imagine. But much more um, detailed and much more long-drawn-out um, in a good way than Zorba the Greek, which has just got the one main theme. Yeah. Um, there's some other epics as well. Um, so one of those is Cleopatra. You mentioned Alex, yeah. um, he did a lot of this kind of stuff. He, yeah. did, um, he did Cleopatra and also further on my list, um, I think he did Spartacus, but he did do El Cid. Uh, um, oh, which uh, okay. Again, biblical epics, give you the real... Charlton Heston, yeah. Strong orchestration all the way through. Yeah. Lots of composition, lots of uh, lots of heavy orchestration. Great stuff, Cleopatra. Um, and then I went for The Misfits, which again is a... Uh, that's, um, uh, Clark okay. Gable's last film, of course, a oh, lot. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that. Lot of famous actors died in the '60s, not least Gable, Marilyn Monroe, Gary Cooper, um, uh, to name just three. Um, and The Misfits was his last film. I think it was uh, Marilyn's last film as well, uh, for the aforementioned, aforementioned reasons. Uh, but yeah. actually, good film and um, really good soundtrack. It's really good. Uh, the Apartment's quite good soundtrack. Great film. Yeah.
1: Yourself. Yeah, we went, we did that on the Billy Wilder episode, yeah. didn't we? Exactly. We uh, we disagreed slightly on uh, where it should be in the uh, top five. <laughs> yes, yeah. and
0: again, I might change my mind later. But um, then, then for me came Spartacus and El Cid, which I've mentioned. And then I, I dived in with three continental films.
1: Um, oh yeah, one other one I, I, I yep. haven't mentioned. With the, and apologies for my pronunciation, would be uh, the Dolce Vita. No, that's that right.
0: La, La Dolce Vita, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that here. I was going to say, Rocco. Great
1: film game. as well.
0: It's, you know. yeah, it's a great film. It's, um, it's kind of a, a vibrant, sort of like frantically paced film in, in makes some... you want to
1: go to Rome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's obviously, this is, I think that's where the expression paparazzi was coined actually, uh, there or thereabouts. Um, yeah story of you know just uh, celebrities being pursued and all sorts of other storylines going on is it I mean Fellini is a remarkable director some of his stuff is quite slow some of it's quite long some of it's both of those things yeah but he is a remarkable director he is one of the true artistic greats of filmmaking he's um probably Italy's greatest director I would say and about
1: Sergio Leone
0: uh, oh yes, well apart from Sergio Leone, yeah, <laughs> in, I'm thinking of his work in the in the West, obviously, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah um, he's very very good. He's got a number of classics. I love Amicord, That's a that's actually a 70s film, but um, that's one of his greats. And Eight and a Half, as well as Dolce Vita, were um were on my list here. Um, that's his other probable classic, I would say. Amongst
1: a, okay. a, I a I'm of... a bit behind, I only know the Dolce Vita, I'm a bit of a peasant because <laughs> it Italian cinema. It's no. something we'll have to do at some point, I'll have to educate myself. Yeah,
0: That'll be one of your discovery ones, I suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Because
0: you've got, as I said, Amacord's great, you've got eight and a half La Dolce Vita, you've got um, La Strada, which is a fantastic film, absolutely love it, it's, it's superb. Um, so those two films drop in for me as well then. Um, Also, along with Rocco and His Brothers, another Italian film by another of the Italian filmmaking greats, uh, Lucino Visconti. His stuff's hard to get into. It's usually very slow. But this film I've not seen, uh, but apparently is a lot more watchable. Uh, And I've listened to the soundtrack, just had a a delve into it. And it's great, actually. It's really interesting. I'm not sure how it relates to the film, but really interesting compositions, lots of uh, uh, kind of alternative 60s kind of music in a, in a good way and that, that came close as well i've got one final one phil and again yeah. i'm surprised you haven't picked up on this one i thought it might have even been in your top five jason and the argonauts yeah it's great it? What a what a
1: classic film what a classic soundtrack
0: yeah it's got, got some great bits in
1: it um, I, oh because i went in kind of hard on sinbad and we did the 50s yeah. soundtrack i thought i can't play that card again yeah, it's got but it's great, and that, and, and got I the, and arguably that's my favourite Harry Housing as well.
0: Yeah, what? Well, come on now, don't don't, don't let's plot spoil a possible future yeah, so. <laughs> Possibly, you said though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, nothing's for sure. Um. Yeah, it's got the theme. Is it? Da, 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 da. I think that's, that's it's just. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not doing it justice, but it's, it's captivating, <laughs> captivating music. Again, it. It sends it sends you in, a, in a, on a journey. It's, it gives you the flavour of this adventure story. You know, it's another genre yeah. as you could, the subgenre you could call it. It does have all of the notes and all the all of the vibes. For epic, of, yeah, epic, but also adventure.
1: It's all about yeah, epic. exactly. Someone
0: going out on an epic quest. Uh, Jason and his Argonauts on the Argo, the ship. Um, I remember watching this and, and actually the Simba films at the Odin and Worthing, which is long since long long since yeah. So it's a HMV in Game now, yeah, exactly. But it was um, one of one of my happiest childhood memories was going to see these. Um, kind of, what would you call them? So like the monster monster movies, a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, kind of the sword and sandals stuff. Yeah, sword and sandals. Yeah, um, but that was that was a great one as well. Any others from you then,
1: Phil? No, I think I think yeah, I think that's pretty much me done We probably missed some other stuff off. I'm sure we probably. Apologies have, but- if anybody's shouting us for missing off. <laughs> something that we've missed but i have watched a lot of films in preparation for this and next time we do it i will watch a lot of films and listen to a lot of soundtracks as well because you miss you miss out on certain nuances well there might be a great piece of music that didn't make the final cut yeah that's kind true. of missed out on.
0: that's a good point actually
1: yeah okay right so we're going to move on uh, to our next
0: subject then um which we've this I think... is going to be great i, lo- I love i love this we, what we haven't done much of, we've done not a great deal on actors and directors, but we've done those recently. Yeah, yeah. We've done genres recently with Heist Movie, and we've done obviously the films of 2021, and we've done soundtracks, 50s and 60s. So we need to move back into one of our other categories. So we're going to do a studio again. So far, we've only done Pixar, I think, to my knowledge. Um, so we're going back into the world of um, animated studios, and we're going yes. to go for a continental theme as well, uh, Studio Ghibli the Japanese yeah. animation studio. Um, we'll go into detail on it later. It, it is It is apparently Ghibli, is how it's pronounced, uh, according to my... We're going to do all oh, the
1: Miyazaki
0: yeah. films. I can't wait to watch them all again. Yeah, there's the Miyazaki film and others besides as well, which yeah, you yeah, should check yeah, yeah. too. Um, there's a good good range of, I don't know how many there is, there, probably 30 to 40 altogether, but I don't know. Um, there's nowhere weren't. near
1: that. I thought it was about 15, 20.
0: No, I think if you delve into it, there's other bits. Oh, of Okay. Whether they're worthy of note or even
1: worthy of looking there's at a, there, Yeah, there's, there, there's only a few that I haven't seen. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be exactly. making my kids watch those and they love them. So that's not a problem.
0: Yeah. That will be no problem at all. And Mia Zaki will certainly be at the forefront of,
1: yeah.
0: of our, our choices there. I'm sure that's not a plot spoiler to say. Um, however, we'll leave it as the studio in general. So any other interesting choices are welcome. Uh, between, yeah. us. Well,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, let us know if you uh, want to. A top five shout out on the, on the Ghibli. Send them in. We want to hear. Do you know your spirited away from your my neighbour Totoro's? Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. It's going to be great. I've watched Castles in the Sky for year for a few years. Or how's movie How's Moving Castle watched quite recently. But yeah, I'm glad to watch it again. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good. I love it. A lot of adventure in those films as well. Yeah, yeah. We shall be talking about. And um, if you do want to send us your top fives um don't worry boy you can still send them in on the 60 scores if you want to and we can read them out but more importantly let us know your top five ghibli films if you haven't seen any ghibli films why the hell not get yeah, on out, and check them out. They're great. They're all on netflix at the moment as well which they makes are. Easier, is a so.
1: result
0: yeah. yeah yeah so they're all they're all easy to catch up with as well um lots of interesting stuff there if you do want to let us know you can contact us on twitter your one, Phil, is... Yeah,
1: I haven't used it much recently. I should get better at it. At Film Fives 1, I think, with <laughs> number one. I'm, I also yeah, did a Facebook as well. So we do have yeah. Film Fives on, on on the Facebook as well. Yeah, and mine is at Film
0: Fives pod. Fives written as as words, so Film Yeah, Fives. yeah, same here, yeah. yeah. Um, so feel free to message us on there or, on, as you said, on Facebook. And until next time, Phil, we shall... Uh, we shall say, well, uh, probably uh, Arrivederci, I guess. Yeah. My yeah, number ones. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It's been good. And, Joe, actually, great, would, and thank you for listening. Shall we quickly summarise them again? So I've got, uh, just, to, just to round it off. So number five, I had Lawrence of Arabia, and you had an Easy Rider, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, number four, From Russia With Love. And I had
1: The Great, i check my nose, I had The Great Escape.
0: Oh, yes, Great Escape. Number three, I had A Fistful of Dollars. I had Psycho. Which I had at number two. When I had Lawrence of Arabia. And at number one, we both went spaghetti western-tastic, but in a different way. I went for Once Upon a Time in the West. And the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, not a bad way to round things off, was it? So check those out if you haven't seen them. Listen to the soundtracks if you haven't already. And we'll be back next time for Studio Ghibli. Until then, Phil, arrivederci. Thank you
1: very much. Grazie. Prego. <laughs> <laughs> <there you> <laughs>